<clears throat> so we um, have made pretty good progress uh, so far as we've kind of been exploring the church. We've looked at uh, in week one uh, how scripture points and speaks to the church in regards to being a family. Um, last week we, we looked at how scripture speaks of us as being the bride of Christ as well as um, branches and, and for those passages just to kind of remind us we were looking in Romans chapter 12 verses 10 through 13 for family Ephesians chapter 5 verses 25 through 27 um, and kind of peeked over at verse 32 uh, when speaking about the bride uh, in regards to how scripture speaks to us as believers being branches grafted into the vine, we looked at John chapter 15 verses 5 through 11, and today we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2. So if you want to go ahead and be turning with me there, uh, today we're going to start off looking at how scripture speaks of us as being living stones and a holy priesthood. And we're going to explore what this means. <clears throat> Some kind of takeaways from from the, the prior weeks. Like when we consider the church as family, there is an element there of fellowship with one another. There is an element of drawing close to one another, of depending on one another, on relying on one another. When we consider the church being the bride, there's an element there that ought to call us up into a uh, greater desire to be holy, to be set apart, to be faithful to Christ, our husband, when we consider <clears throat> the church being branches that we've been grafted into this vine of Christ, we should consider there where it is that we ultimately rest, where it is that we find our source of strength, where it is that we find ourselves living and fruitful. And that is when the church, when we as individuals, um, and we, when we collectively are grafted into the vine, which provides us nourishment for living, and also where uh, the Father, the vine dresser, uh, works to prune us so that we can grow and produce much fruit. So uh, if you're with me now in 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to be looking at verse 4 and verse 5. We may glance down a little bit from there, but that's that's really where we're going to focus at here um, to kick this lesson off this morning. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. I'll begin reading there. It says, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture. Let's look at this uh, next piece here. For it stands in Scripture. Or it's, it's, yeah, it stands in Scripture. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So, for the, so the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, Scripture says, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. All right. So when we consider uh, this opening opening thought in 
verse 4 of 1 Peter chapter 2. It says, And you come to him, who is it that we're coming to here? Christ, who is what? A living stone. So when we consider uh, who it is that we are called to be like in this regard, and, and looking specifically there in verse verses 6 and 7 and, and 8, where it speaks about Christ as this living stone, and, and when it speaks about Him as this living stone, referring back to these passages of text where He's called the cornerstone. Right, so when we consider this, and then it speaks about us. So this, it speaks about him, this living stone rejected by men in the sight of God, chosen and precious. And then it speaks of us, believers, the church. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. So Christ, being that that chief cornerstone, the primary block that sets the form for this structure, this spiritual house. We likewise are, the analogy is given of us as being living stones. So when we think about this and we think about what it means, why it would be significant that Scripture would speak of us um, as being stones that are being joined together to this chief cornerstone, there, there are some things that I want us to kind of pull out of this and some considerations for us to take uh, and kind of just kind of work through our minds for a bit. Now, um, if you're considering building a house, if you're considering building a structure of any, found, of, of any significance, uh, if you've ever watched like the design and, and construction of like a large skyscraper, um, what is significant effort put into there the foundation well if 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 you build a skyscraper and you just did it by taking out your uh, tractor and smoothing off you know a, a, a couple uh, hundred square yards of dirt and then you start building a heavy structure on top what do you imagine is going to take place when you get any amount of weight placed on top of that dirt that you did no more than just level off for starting building. What do you mind is going to happen? It's going to tip over and fall. Um, it's going to be catastrophic because will the ground itself support the weight of what's going on top of it? So the foundation of a building is central to the, the long-term stability of that building. Right? We all agree on that. Christ is the chief cornerstone, the primary block for setting the form of the foundations. From him comes the apostles. From, from the early church and from those leaders comes the word, the foundation of this spiritual house having been laid from the prophets through the apostles. And then from that, that time on and continuing today, this structure is being constructed. It's critical for us to understand that the foundation is laid and it is a sure foundation lined up first and foremost by this cornerstone, right? And this, this structure, this spiritual house that it's giving us this analogy for, for us as stones within this house is being built up um, to be a... So, so there's kind of two analogies that are that are 
lined up together here. We are being built together um, here into a spiritual house as stones to be a holy priesthood. So there's something being built up and then kind of this dual purpose of, of serving as priests uh, in this in this regard, offering spiritual gifts gifts or spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So as God is working, laying this foundation, as he's calling us um, as these living stones, these living spiritual stones being built together into this spiritual house, I want us to consider as well, um, when you, as a builder, are looking for these stones, and you're pulling these stones from the quarry, um, are these stones, as you pull them out of the ground, perfectly suitable to line up with the building that you've been constructed? No? What are you going to have to do? What do you have to do to the stones that you're building this structure out of? You chip them away. You refine them, right? You take them as they are, and then you work on them, and you shape them. So as we consider that God is building us as individuals into this uh, spiritual house, us being living stones, we ought to consider that part of that process is the chipping and chiseling away and building us to be, a suitable, to be a suitable fit to this structure that he is constructing uh, himself, right? So we are in need of refinement. We are in need of uh, a chiseling away. Uh, will the builder of this house rest until we are a perfect fit in the structure that he is uh, building together? Will this, will this structure that, that God himself is constructing by living stones, uh, will, you, will we gaze upon it and it be kind of cattywankus? Will it be like, that looks odd there. Like, that looks like it's going to tip over. I would never want to step into that building because it doesn't look safe. Or is he working a perfect work within his church to build this spiritual house it'll be perfect it will be beautiful now this is something to consider considering that we are a part of this have you ever looked upon a structure that built by man clearly because you know like that's who's building things these days you 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 look at this structure and you you find yourself in awe of the magnitude of what they could do. Like, what, what we, if we put our minds to something, can achieve and be in awe of it. Look at it and be like, that is marvelous and spectacular. Knowing that, it was built by flawed individuals. Now consider for a moment that the one constructing this spiritual house is not a flawed builder, not a flawed architect. His plan doesn't have imperfections. His, his design is not, it has no weak points in it. It's perfectly designed. It's being perfectly built from imperfect 
components along the way. Yet the master builder is putting together a master work that when we step back in eternity and look upon it, it will be more spectacular, more awe-inspiring, more jaw-dropping than any building that man has ever considered constructing. It will be flawless in every regard. Perfectly constructed by a wise, perfect builder. And you, as a believer, are a part of this thing that he's building up. This thing that he's constructing. So let us consider where we come from. These rough stones that you might find in a quarry. And let us consider this masterpiece of a construction effort that our God is working. And understand that he's wise in where he places us in it and how he uses us in it in the things that he works within us shaping us to fit into this perfect masterpiece of a work that he is putting together and i want us to consider when we consider like a spiritual house or spiritual temple what why is it that um, the tabernacle and the temple were such important constructions within and for the people of uh, Israel. Why was there so much painstaking detail given for them? Why, why is that? I think you're. I think you're certainly inching in the direction of it. So, um, who, who was? Yeah. Who was the construction for ultimately? This was a. This was a place where the presence of God. Now, here's the thing: Is God in all places at all times? Right. This, God is omnipresent, and there's no place that He is not at completely. Right. But God can demonstrate himself to us in special ways that we don't necessarily see simply because he's omnipresent, right? Like Christ, Christ in human form is an example of this, right? Um, him coming down into the tabernacle, into the temple was a display of this, right? Fire by night, cloud by day, again, an example of God. The God who is in all places, perfectly, completely whole, can manifest himself. And who's that manifestation for? His people. His people, right? We can know that he is in all places at all times, that there's nowhere that I can go to escape his presence, if I go up into the heavens, you are there. If I go down into the grave, Lord, you are there. But he can, for us, demonstrate himself in a special way. And for the people of Israel, the tabernacle, the temple, was this way. And now, we see this shadow 
pressing forward into the work of God as he's constructing a new spiritual house made from living stones. And as we consider that in the tabernacle, in the temple, God had this purpose to display himself to his people in a special and particular way, might it be the case that through the church and within, looking within the church, within this living spiritual house, that God might be seen, this God who is in all places at all times, perfectly and completely, He is omnipresent, but might he be seen in a special way within his church? Do you think he is constructing this living spiritual house so that it can be empty on the inside? Or might the world get a special glimpse of God when it peers inside the church. Could he, have, could he have that as part of the purpose for the church? So should it be the case that as the church goes into a place, there are places in the world today where the church is, there is not a significant presence there. Right? Might it be, let's take... Pakistan, for example. Might it be that God works there in building up His church so that the people outside might peek inside His church and see Him in a special and particular way? And that by building His church up, He ushers in His presence into a place, into a culture into a region of the world and sets up within it a glimpse at His kingdom, at His purposes, as his, at His ways. And then from it, make Himself known not only to the people who are these stones, but to those who would look inside this church. And when I consider that that's part of the purpose in building up this church of living stones, the spiritual house, I consider we as the church, do we consider that when we live and move within the places that we find ourselves? Do we consider that the world's looking in and that God intends the world to see Him in a special way through this living house, this living spiritual house that He is constructing. And when I consider that, when I consider the place and the purpose of the temple, the tabernacle, and I consider that He's building this church up, which we are a part of, I consider that the world ought to look on it and it be jaw-dropping what God is doing. The beauty of this thing that He's constructing. 
with what he had to work with, the masterful effort that this master creator, this builder of great things, it should be awe-inspiring. Are we awe-inspiring? Perhaps he's fitting us together even still today. Perhaps there's still work that needs to be done and chiseling away those rough edges so that we fit together perfectly so that it's a beautiful sight to behold. Okay? So he is continuing this work today. I also consider when the world looks inside and they see the way that the church operates, they see the way that we interact with one another, do they, cons- do they consider what they see as a special glimpse, the special presentation of this God that we claim create, creates from nothing and holds everything by the power of His Word when they look and see the work that we claim that He's doing within us, do they see Him in a special way? Can He be seen in the work that He's doing within His church? Now there's a way that we could look at this through a lens that would be hypercritical, and at times perhaps we ought to. Perhaps we ought to be hypercritical when we consider the way that we live, the way that we move, the way that we interact with one another, the way that we interact with other churches, right? Which we're all a part of one church, right? That's, that's this church that God's constructing. Perhaps the way that we look at those that are not within these walls, we look at differently. Is this the way that we could be refined? Is this a way that we can be sanctified in our own minds, the way that we look at our brothers and sisters around us? The way that we interact with one another in a larger global scale or just within the city that we're in, just within the county, the state? Is there ways that we could be living that when the world looks in to this spiritual house that God is building, that they see God in a special way? Are there things that we could do? I think that there I think that there are. I think that we should consider what those things might be. And I think that as we consider ourselves, as we consider the church and what it means to be the church, that's part of what it what's going to happen naturally within us is we're going to consider ways in which when people look at this building that God is doing, that, that it will be a masterwork for them. And then when they peek inside of that building to see why this structure was built, that they would see God in a special way working within that spiritual house. Yeah. I think that's unique and I think that that glorifies God. I think so. I think so. And I think we should be intentional and mindful. I think this is not a thing that should be an afterthought for us. Right? I think, and I'm not talking specifically only to that ministering in that way, but I'm, I'm thinking about the way that we, as a, as a people, as the church, live in such a way that it's different, 
right? We, we oftentimes find ourselves clinging to excuses about why we're not different and separate and set apart. But we need to focus more on how it is that we can live in such a way that we can demonstrate to the world this masterful work that God is doing. And as we consider that there are places that we fail, let us understand as well that it is God ultimately who is constructing this spiritual house and that He will ultimately align every stone. That it will be a perfect work. We are those imperfect stones that He's chiseling away at that he's finding the perfect place for so we there's a part of this where we rest in knowing that he is the master builder here that he is a craftsman like the world has never seen before and would never see after and that we trust that when he constructs this building and he sets the final stone that it will be truly awe-inspiring. Now, another thing that this text points us here to, um, in the latter part of verse 5 here, uh, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So this text, we've we've explored how it is that we are living stones. I want us to consider now what it means to be a holy priesthood. When we think about a priesthood, give me some of the thoughts that come to your mind when you think about a priesthood. What is a priesthood? Not everybody at once. <laughs> what is a priesthood? Give me things that you think about. Legitimate. Say that again. Clergy. Clergy. Right. Um, do you think of robes? Do you think of like specific attire with white collars? What do you think about when you think about a priesthood? Do you think about yourself? I don't think we automatically do. I, I don't. Isn't that strange? It's strange, but I know I am. Isn't that strange? Well, because in our generation, we've been inundated with priests being legalistic and yeah, yeah. And, uh, you see it in a particular way. You see it. You, you see it in a particular way. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. We do. We we look at we look at priests as something other. When we think of when we think of a priest, we think of something other. Now, there's an aspect of this that I say like, shouldn't we? Yeah. 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 So we think about we think about Israel, we think about sacrifice, we think about duties, we think about rituals. We think about something that I'm not. Right? Yeah. Right. And this there's part of it the reason that I think that we find it hard sometimes to identify with this thought is that we really don't have a good context, right? Outside of like Catholic priests, 
Like we don't have a good con. And who wants to be associated with that these days, right? Like when somebody says Catholic priest, they're tending to be talking about the pedophiles amongst the Catholic clergy, right? Like that's that's the honest assessment of the state of affairs within the Catholic priesthood is that that is something rightly or wrongly has been attributed to the whole. And in, and because of that, we tend to, especially when we think about it in that context, we're like, don't want to be associated with that at all. Right? Yeah. Yeah. What does it what does it say though that when when it speaks here in scripture, it it doesn't leave this word priesthood alone. Right? It doesn't just say spiritual house to be a priesthood. What type of priesthood are we called to be? Well, it says that we are a holy priesthood. Yeah. So we're not making ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. So the priests that were being making atonement for the people were not holy. They had no. to go in and go through the same rituals that they were making others go through, actually more. Yes. So we are a holy priesthood. We we stand holy. We stand in the in the shadow of the high priest, the Most High, mm-hmm. right? So that we can be called. As imperfect and flawed as we are, a holy priesthood. And that makes you just want to fall in your face and worship. Yeah. Like, I don't deserve to be called out. Yeah. It is only through His grace. So when we consider, let's let's roll back time and let's consider what we know about the priesthood in Israel. What were the priestly duties? Yeah. So who were the priests ministering to? Hey, they're ministering for the people to God as not only like for the people to like God. The message of yeah. the need for the atonement for their sins, but also like they're they're being uh, like ambassadors in a sense. So, so a holy priesthood would have responsibilities. We can extrapolate from that that the priests in Israel had responsibilities on behalf of the people in the direction of the holy God, right? So he is. Or we are holy priests with responsibilities. To who? To who? Who are our responsibilities to? The Lord and His people. So when we consider that we are a holy priesthood. Do we consider the responsibility that we have for those around us? For those that we care about? Do you consider that you, 
as a member of this holy priesthood, have responsibilities to me, to one another. How are you holding up to your priestly duties? If you are a holy priesthood, how are you living up to the call that He's placed on you as one of these holy priests? Where do you find yourself? Do you find yourself as a lackadaisical priest who cares nothing about their priestly duties or responsibilities? Do you find yourself as a priest who cares dearly for his people? Who wants to bring the needs of his people to the only God who can answer those needs? When we consider that we are this spiritual house being built up, that we are this holy priesthood, we should consider how it is that we serve God and His people. Do you consider how you serve God and His people? Do you consider how you serve the one sitting next to you? This is the church. Right? This is the church. These are things that we ought to be considering. So we're going to end here today. Next week we will pick up in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, so far as we've been considering the church, we've seen that we are a family. We should draw near to one another as family does. We should not forsake gathering together. As a family, we see that the church is the bride of Christ. We should seek to be holy and faithful to the God that has called us and chosen us. We see that we are branches. And when we consider that we are branches, we consider that the only way that we live and grow is if we are grafted into the vine. We see that we are living stones. So let us not be surprised when He chisels away at us to fit us into the place that He's chosen for us. We see that we are a holy priesthood. As priests, we have responsibilities to one another, to God. Let us not be lazy in those responsibilities. Let us be wise. Let us be, uh, let us be holy priests. Let it not be far from the next generation when we tell them that they are holy priests. Let it not let us do a work today so that those who follow after us will not have the same hang-ups that we have when we consider what it means to be a priest. When we ask our children what it means to be a priest, let them say it looks a lot like the way that you lived your life. Dad, Mom, look like Dustin. That's what a priest looks like. Looks like Blake. Looks like Adrian. Right? Like It looks like you. That's what the answer should be when we ask them what it means to be a holy priesthood. Do we live so that that would be the case? Do we live so that the generation after us considers this responsibility and takes it and runs with it? Or do a, do a handful of pedophiles and those who would keep them safe 
get the final word on what it means to be a priesthood. We, we don't, like myself, don't consider what we are, like what you just said. Yeah. I don't consider myself as like in that priestly form. But if we think of it this way, how we, how it changes yeah. so much, at least for me. Verse 9 says, but you are a chosen. Yeah. A, yeah. Not just a priesthood, a royal. Yes. Like there's so much. And you got you got the you got the purple robe on and don't even know it. I mean I don't I don't think, don't think about it. Yeah. We should. We should consider it we should consider it more. Right? And we should live in ways that our brothers and sisters in Christ are called up to that same standard of living. And then the world might peek into the church and see God manifesting himself in a very special way. Um, we'll close with that. Next week we'll pick up with us as the body of Christ and hopefully we will, we will wrap it up and uh, kind of put the, the bow on this discussion of the church next week.